Uh, I'm on. There we go. Sabotage. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, I wanted to just make a couple of uh, introductory remarks. And uh, again, for those that are visiting, I'm not Pastor Jeff. Uh, I don't even look anything like Pastor Jeff. (laughs) I'd like to say I would look that good when I get that old, but I'm way older than he is. So, (laughs) but... uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. I see some new faces, and uh, we're grateful and glad for you being here. And we hope that you've come this morning with an expectation of, of getting something that you can take home with you and, and use in the week to come. Someone said that uh, I looked a little nervous last week, and, and uh, I just wanted to say this. Uh, I'm on, with family. I've been in the church now for years, about 18 years, I think, something like that. Uh, so I'm with family, so I wasn't nervous about you, but every one of you that is here this morning, you're not here by accident. You're not here because you didn't have anything to do today because there was no good ball games or no good races or no good golf tournaments. If you're here today, you've come expecting to hear from God, not from Dave Fox, not from Pastor Jeff, Pastor Betty, or anybody else. You want to hear from God and from His Word, and that is an awesome responsibility that I take so very seriously because I am I'm like Paul only in the sense that the things I would do I don't do the things I don't want to do I do oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me thanks be unto Jesus Christ I'm a sinner saved by grace I uh Boy, when the Gaithers came out with that, that song, I, I really related to that. So uh, I'm not arrogant, but I'm not nervous. I just believe it's an awesome task to accomplish. And I want to thank Pastor Jeff, Pastor Betty, and other staff members for uh, giving me the privilege to share with you. And uh, I hope that it will be helpful and meaningful to you. Uh, so God bless you. And may the Lord grant us clarity of thought and, and mind today. Uh, the title of the sermon this morning is Death to Divisions. Now, I've got to tell you, when I named this thing, I imagined myself as Mel Gibson in a kilt. Now, not necessarily, well, in a kilt with a great armor and a sword and, and on the top of a hill looking down into a valley and across the valley is another tens of thousands of the enemy and I'm ready to lead us into battle. Death to Divisions. And then I realized I'm not Mel Gibson. I'm not even the enemy this morning. I'm the guy down in the middle of the valley saying, ho, 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 fellas, let's think about this. Let's think about this. Let's let's consider and ponder before we act. Nothing good can come out of divisions. I want to talk to you this morning about divisions, diversity, and unity. Because that's really uh, the, the truth of the gospel is... Uh, that we're all different. We have diversity. We have everything from garbage haulers to doctors in this congregation this morning. I'm not the doctor, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Oh, come on. I thought that'd get a better laugh. (laughs) I drive a garbage truck out at the base sometimes. (laughs) We have uh, every kind of social economic mix that you can imagine. We have a, a small ethnic diversity that I hope will get bigger. But we're different And I wanted to uh, try to talk about this in the light of Romans. We're ending up our study in Romans today, or our series in Romans. And for those of you who went back and... How many of you went back and looked at the Red Scripture video, the whole video that Pastor Jeff showed in the beginning? Anybody? Oh, gosh. Google, read Scripture, and go to the videos. They're wonderful. They have them for every book in the Bible. 
But the last portion of, uh, of, our, of our series in Romans dealt with God fulfilling his promise to Israel. And as I considered that, I thought, how am I going to cover eschatology in 20 minutes? Now, if you don't know what eschatology is, that's the study of end times. Is Israel still a nation? Is Israel going to uh, be restored as a nation? The good news is I'm not going to try to cover that today because that's impossible. But God did fulfill his promise to Israel. And when he promised Abraham that Israel would become a great nation, he fulfilled that promise. Have we got any full-blooded Jews uh, uh, of Jewish descent or Jewish uh, uh, religion in the congregation this morning? So we're all Gentiles, huh? Wow. We're part of the family. Thank you. We're in the family, folks. We got grafted into the tree, and we're part of that great nation. And even though we're diverse, and even though we have division uh, uh, or, or diversity, we do not have to have division, okay? The last chapters of Romans are all about God fulfilling his promise to Israel. And if you've read Romans 12 ahead of time, you may be wondering, how is that so? How does that address that? I'm going to show you. But there couldn't have been any greater division in the New Testament church than the one that was occurring in Rome. The church at Rome consisted of previous or, or prior Jewish followers who followed the law of Moses, who kept the commandments of, or the Mosaic law and kept the festivals and the sacrifices and the feast, did everything they could and were still empty inside. Footnote. You can be in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible study on Thursday or Tuesday or Monday if you're really good. It's not going to get you any closer to being a born-again child of God than the Mosaic Law did. Okay? It is by faith. Paul said, remember that in chapter 1? I quoted that verse last week. It's by faith from first to last. Now, when faith comes into your life, it changes you. I'm not the man I was in 1967, prior to 1967. I'm not the same person. God has changed my life. And, and so what I want to talk about today is the Jewish versus Gentile division that was in the church and kind of break down what it, how it affected the church and maybe get some reflection on how division can affect the church today. Now, I don't think anybody in our church is trying to get you to cut anything, to eat anything, to go anywhere or to do anything other than to get into God's Word and find faith. But the Jews did. If you haven't had the chance, and time doesn't permit us today, but if you haven't had the chance, take a look sometime. Google the Jewish law. Google everything that they had to try to keep. It was mind-blowing. And yet there was still emptiness. And so when those Jewish people finally came to the position or the, 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 the place where they could put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and accept him as their Lord and Savior, there was still all of that that they had kept in their minds. That was their culture. That was their, that what they were used to. And it wasn't easy to give that up. It wasn't easy to let go of it. It's kind of like those of us who were used to, before coming to Christ, to doing everything ourselves. We didn't depend on anybody. I don't need anybody. I can do this. And if I can't do it, it's not worth doing. And we come to Christ, and we continue to try to still do it. Does that mean we're a bad person? No, but it means that we're hurting ourselves, and we're not growing in our faith. And we're creating division in our own heart and mind, as well as in the body of Christ. There are things I cannot do myself. Only God Almighty through me can. Okay? Division and diversity. Let me talk about that. Division 
is a condition or an instance of being divided in opinion or interest. It's something that divides us, separates us, and notice, marks us off. Think about that. Take note of, where you at, Dave? <laughs> Where's my buddy Dave? Watch out for Dave. Now, you all know who were here last week. Dave, there's nothing wrong with Dave. Dave's a wonderful brother in Christ, but I use him. <laughs> Watch out for Dave. Mark him. Boy, he's, oh, he's legalist. Oh, oh, he's liberal. Mark him, mark him. That's division. That creates division in the body of Christ. He's not like me. Uh, I grew up with a brother in Christ who, uh, and I shared this last week, but for those who weren't here, who uh, was canatonic. <laughs> When he came to Christ, he calmly walked up, knelt down on an altar, prayed the prayer of faith, didn't shed a tear, didn't get emotional. Sometimes I thought he was more saved than I was. Now, that's not theologically right, but you understand what I'm saying. He was different. I didn't mark him and say, Steve Decker didn't get it. I saw faith in his life, and I accepted that diversity in him. Division creates separation and marks us off and marks us against each other. But diversity is a condition of having or being composed of differing elements, variety, especially the inclusion of different types of people, such as people of different races or cultures. Diversity, we're different. We can stay divided or we can come together as diverse and find the common grounds. Now, I tried to think of uh, an example of this, and I got to tell you, um, this is what I came up with. Sean, let's, let's flash that up there on the screen there. Yeah. Hey, hey, man. Woo! Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. How many of you here are Dodger fans? Okay, how many of you are Giants fans? Okay. You Giants fans have to go home because you surely cannot be saved if you are a Giants fan, right? No. What brings us together, whether you're a Dodger fan or a Giant fan, it's the love for what? Of baseball, the love of the game. Yeah, we've got our opinions and our preferences and our, our feelings. Uh, I'll give you one that's not about baseball. I have never been a Raider fan, and if you are, don't, I, don't, I keep it down. <laughs> I should have used that one, really, Dustin. But with David Carr, a godly man now being their quarterback, regardless of whether you think he's any good or not, he stands strong in Christ. And that's brought me to a place where, no, I'm not going to paint myself silver and black and put horns on and go to a game. But I love watching David Carr, and I love watching the Raiders. You see, diversity, divisions are usually negative and destructive and counterproductive to a cause or a group. Now, a few short years back, there was a Giants fan down at Dodger Stadium who was attacked and nearly killed in the parking lot because he was a Giants fan. That was sad. That was by people who didn't love the game, people who were self-centered, people who didn't care about how that affected their team, the Dodgers. It reflected poorly on the Dodgers. By the way, a good teacher doesn't reveal what he truly believes, so I'm not going to tell you who I rooted for, but Dick, I think I should have thrown a third team in there, don't you? Yeah, I think so too. You know why I like the Angels? Teamwork. No major superstars, just good men working together. Hey, Oakland A's, same thing. But it's about the cause, not about the differences. Diversity and the embracing of it usually acknowledges 
and recognizes that each person or entity in a group has value and can contribute to the greater cause. That was Paul's desire for the Roman church. And by the way, it's still God's desire for the church today. It's God's desire for our church. Unity can be accomplished when everyone within the group is committed to the greater overall cause and mission. Let's see what Paul has to say about diversity in Romans chapter 12. So if you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at a couple of verses there this morning. By the way, I'm not going to define the divisions today. I'm not going to define what's right and what's wrong. That's what you have to do here. What I am going to do is lay out some principles that will enable you and I both to deal with our diversity and to come together, and to come together uh, and, and find common ground and a common cause and a common peace. I will tell you straight up and ahead of time, the common cause is Jesus Christ. Amen? It's Jesus Christ. He changed my life. He changed your life. I had this readily illustrated. For those in my class, I, uh, forgive me for repeating it, but uh, I've, I've got almost two and a half million commercial miles in, in, a, in, a, in a commercial vehicle. I've done a lot of driving. I've seen a lot of bad habits. And Debbie will amen this if she's out there. Going down the road one day on the way to work, I go at a particular time when there's a particular group of employees that go south to a facility uh, in Kalinga. <clears throat> But in fairness, there's a lot of DOD employees going to the base also. And every day, every day, I do 65 miles an hour, and I pull out and I merge in, and I had a knucklehead come through there one day, boom, boom, and almost ran me off the road. And I, and I can tell you what I said, because it wasn't that nasty. I said, you're an idiot. And then, as if he were sitting right next to me, the Holy Spirit said, for whom Christ died. <laughs> You're an idiot for whom Christ died. I, I have expertise in driving. I used to be a driver trainer. Big deal. That guy probably grew up without a mom or a dad or anybody to tell him, hey, son, you probably not a good idea to do 85 miles an hour, run up on people and try to run them off the road. Who's there for him? If, if I divide, if I separate myself from those people, he has no one. There's not many of us today that don't notice, and by the way, I'm sure the older generation said this about me growing up, but don't notice things that we have learned through a lifetime that younger people don't know. How are we going to share that with them if we divide ourselves? If we push them away? You're an idiot. No, you're my brother and sister in Christ. Have you considered this? How's that working out for you? Can I share with you something? Diversity, diversity. Let's look and see what Paul had to say. I think this is a very interesting uh, uh, example that Paul lists here, and I'll explain in a moment. Verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, and by the way, in chapter 11, he has just uh, laid out this difference between Jew and Gentile believers in the church. And he's pointed out to the Gentiles very readily, hey, people, don't get a little cocky. Yeah, the Jews fell, and it was through their failure to receive Christ as Messiah that you now have the gospel. Don't get carried away with it, because God hasn't forgotten them. Yeah, but Lord, they're still trying to do it by sacrifices and by circumcision and by all of this. Yeah, 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 I understand that. But there's a time and a place when they're going to see me for who I am, their Lord and their Savior, their God, 
So stand with them, pray with them. Here's what he says. And this is written for both the Jew and the Gentile. And I thought it was very interesting. See, the Jews said, it's all about the sacrifices, all about the ceremonies. The Gentiles said, free in Christ, it doesn't matter what I eat, what I do, I'm free. Paul said, therefore, in view of what I just told you, that Jews and Gentiles are both in the same family, I urge you, brothers and sisters, he's addressing believers now, he's not addressing reprobates. He said, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see what he's doing when he's talking about the offering, the sacrifice? Under Old Testament law, once a year, as well as I mean, if you blew your nose wrong, you had to go kill a dove and make a sacrificial offering to cleanse your nose, I guess. I don't know. But there was a plethora of requirements and things you had to do. Now, in fairness to the Scripture, Paul said that the whole reason for all of those things was to show us just how sinful we really are. I wouldn't have known I was sinful unless Rufus Coffey got up in a pulpit and said, you young bucks, you think you've got it all going on, but here's what the truth is. You're empty inside. Everything new that you try to try to fill that void, it brings nothing. It's emptiness. And boy, he hit me right on the head. But he did it in love. And that's what the law was for. But here Paul says to both Jew and Gentile, hey, guess what? Don't slaughter any more lambs. The Lamb of God has already been slaughtered on your behalf. Present your body as an offering. A living sacrifice. You see that in doing that, he brought the two groups together. He brought the Jews together. They understood what a sin offering was. He brought the Gentiles together in understanding that it does matter whether you present yourself to me or not. It's an offering to God, not to one another. Because see, the Gentiles were saying, if I want a pork chop, I'm going to eat a pork chop. And Dustin, I don't care if you are a Jew and won't eat pork, I will. So there. But he brought, he removed the division he acknowledged the diversity and he brought them together. You want to make a sacrifice? Sacrifice yourself for me. Three things here I just want to look at, or four things actually real quick. Uh, a new commitment, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, and a new confidence. In, in verse 1 he says, present your bodies. You do it. I can't sacrifice you. Folks, we haven't got a rule book big enough to make you do everything that you should do. And it's none of my place to make you. I need to share with you. I need to share truth. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need to share truth. But when it's all said and done, it's about your commitment, not mine. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. First thing we need to understand is what God did to enable us to come to him and make a decision whether we will commit to that or not. Paul said earlier in this book, he said, you have to die. Pastor Jeff did a wonderful job that second week in talking about dying to self. He said, we're buried with Christ in baptism. Uh, physical death, according to the scripture, is a result of sin, the Adamic or Adam's sin. And we can't blame it all on Adam because we all come to a time and a place in our life where we make the choice whether we will obey God or disobey, whether we will acknowledge or reject. 
Paul says, start this by making that commitment. We talked a little bit last week about it, but if you're a searcher, if you're a seeker, the first thing and the most important thing that you can do is come to a place where you can make that decision, not whether you'll join First Baptist. Membership is way down the line. We have a lot of people who attend who are not members. I, I, I mean, I would like to see everybody become a member so you can take part in the process of decision-making and everything, but that's not what it's all about. It's about giving your life to Christ. Some of you are military, and you're a seeker. You're looking to find out what God's place in your life is. You can make that decision here, and guess what? In two and a half, three years, however time you got left on this uh, particular assignment, you're going to go somewhere else, but you know what? You're going to go there, and you're going to find men and women of God that you'll be able to stand with. Different than you. Different than you. Folks, it's culture shock for those little boys and girls who come out of the South to Lamore, California. Have I got an amen on that, anybody? <laughs> anybody that experienced that? My whole goal in life is to let young men and women know that Lamour is not the end of the world. <laughs> Fallon is, but not Lamour. <laughs> but it's not about that. It's about Christ, and it's about what He can do in your life. And it's an adventure, but it starts with a commitment. Not a commitment to me, not a commitment to Pastor uh, Jeff or Pastor yet to be named. By the way, I am so excited. We, we are really making some progress, and I'm excited for whoever that person is. God already knows, and I'm excited. But it's about Jesus Christ and my commitment to him. It's about a new way of thinking. Uh, look what he said there uh, in verse 2. It's very interesting. He said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, uh, my wife is a quilter, uh, Mr. Heinrich. By the way, if any of you that are interested in learning how to sew or quilt or anything. I understand Arlene Heinrich's class on Mondays is awesome. Uh, but they're sewers, they're quilters, and they follow a pattern. Did anybody here know what meandering is? Okay, I see one or two. <laughs> really? Awesome, man. Meandering is that little squiggly line that you put in, the, am I right, in the quilt after you sew the patterns together, and it holds everything together. Now, unfortunately, if I were meandering, to me, meandering is just, you know, kind of wandering around. <laughs> there's a pattern. There's a form. My pattern is not the right pattern, but the, the people, the men and women who quilt have the right pattern. Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world, the meandering that the world wants you to do is worthless. It never ends well. I'm not going to get on a subject. There, there is some diversity in our opinions of, of, of alcohol and its use. It's destroying people's lives. And they don't know it until it happens. The world's pattern never, never ends well. He said, be transformed. Don't be convinced or pressured or bullied you let your heart and your mind be transferred. How? By the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of the mind is in God's Word. Someone said this morning in Sunday school class, there used to be no saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But Bill Gaither, he said, God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if I believe it or not. It's whether or not I'm willing to accept it. Say, don't conform to the pattern. We need a new way of thinking in order to overcome division. 
We need to think differently about one another. I look around this morning, and, and after being here so long, I see such differences in how people came to Christ, young and old. I came to Christ in 1967. You know, uh, Debbie told me the other day, uh, I, I don't consider, I still think of myself like it's a 30-year-old Danny. I think like, hey, man, DG, let's go hang, you know? I'm 65 years old. But you know what? I had a pastor. Now, I thought he was probably 65, but the reality is he was probably only 30. <laughs> but he was old. But man, he'd have us young boys over, when we, over at his house on Friday night to watch the Lakers or to watch the Dodgers or the Angels, and we'd have Pepsi and pizza. And he'd say, you know, Dave, how's that working out for you? Who told you? Well, you know, I could see you're troubled. And he would, he would get involved in my life because his goal was not to divide, to create a chasm between us. It was to create and embrace the diversity so that we could come together and serve Christ. And I am the man I am today in ministry, more because of Billy J. Maxey, a man who never went to seminary, who never went to Bible college, who was a pro ball player who gave it up to preach the gospel because God changed his life so well. Diversity. It involves a new commitment, a new way of thinking. Now, the second half of verse 2, a new way of living. A new way of living. Look what he says there. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. There's times when I d- detect a difference in someone. And if I'm smart, I don't lash out and say, well, that's just stupid. No, I say, hmm. I'm going to shock the socks off you guys. I have a very good friend who's an Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist. In Bible college, I was told Seventh-day Adventists can't go to heaven. i got to go back and talk to Brother Wade when we get there and let him know. Well, actually, I'll take my friend Reuben with me and say, hey, Wade, meet Reuben. Adventist, he's here. (laughs) Now, I don't know how you feel about Adventists, but here's the point I'm making. I asked him one time straight up, Reuben, do you take my, you accept my salvation? Are you crazy? Of course I do. You love Jesus? You accept him as your Lord and Savior? Yeah. And he said, how about me? And I stopped. (laughs) And I hope my pause was not too long, but I said, Reuben, yes. I know you're a man of faith. Of course, then I went and asked him, why do you do these things? You know, and and he told me, for health, because it's a good thing for me to do. It's right. I said, are you trusting in what you do to go to heaven? Good Lord, no, Dave. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, warning, subnote, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said, but he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. You're not going to find an Islamic. You're not going to find a Confucius. You're not going to find a Scientologist who tell you it's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the issue. A new commitment, a new way of thinking. And by the way, that new way of living... I like the fact that it says that there's also a new confidence. You will know. You'll know what's right. You'll know what to do. I don't know about you. I kind of let the cat out of the bag, but I like to be in control, believe it or not. <laughs> I want to make sure every duck is in the row. And there's been a few times when I put the duck in the row and it was a skunk. Been a few times where the line was a little crooked, okay? We all have those failures. We all have those, those differences of opinion. 
But when we have our eyes set on Jesus, and we're doing as Paul said, pressing toward the mark. I've got a friend that's a farmer, has the straightest furrows that I've ever seen. And by the way, he doesn't have GPS. You know the new tractors? You hop in, turn on the air, turn on the tunes, hit the button, and it gets it in the field. It goes, meet, meet, meet. You're getting toward the end of the row, and you get it out of GPS drive, and you turn around. Jeff doesn't do that. And yet Jeff's rows are perfectly straight. And I said, Jeff, how do you do that? And he said, Dave, you see that pole down there? Man, that's, yeah, about a quarter mile down. Yeah. He said, aim it. Aim at that. Go to that pole. Okay. And I did. And it wasn't too bad. I had a few, few bumps in the road. But my next row was better. My next row was better. And the third, fourth, fifth one. And finally, I got what he was talking about. I set my eyes on the mark. I didn't worry about the, uh, the, the, the rough ground or the hard pan that, that was trying to pull me aside. I focused on the, go, uh, the goal and the cause that I was out there for, and that was to cut that rope. In the church, we need to come together in our diversity and set our eyes on the goal. What is our goal here? Look, let's just address the 300-pound gorilla in the room. Most of us, except me, are older. I got it all figured out, right? Wrong. Little guy right here rode my school bus. How long ago was that, brother? About five, six years ago, something like that. I want him to know Jesus, and he does, in a personal way. And I want him one day to be standing and telling others, this is right, this is good. I want that to happen. And I don't care what I have to do to do it. Now, I just used you as an example. But the goal is not our differences. The goal is Jesus Christ and him in hearts and lives of men and women around us. Very quickly, we're going to wrap it up. Somebody said I said, and in conclusion, like four times last week. Did I? Did I? I'm sorry. But I still have three minutes. Two. In, in, in a nutshell, okay? You know what that phrase means, y'all? You young kids, that means wrapping it up in, in conclusion to try to put everything together so that you can take it home with you and still remember what I said this afternoon. In a nutshell, verses three through five. First of all, examine your faith. Where are you at? Where's your commitment? Are you confident in it? Are you sure about it? Know your place. You ever have anybody tell you that? You need to learn your place. Now, I heard that a lot growing up. <laughs> You're a fox and you need to start acting like one. Oh, did I have fun with that? But I don't think that's what they were getting at the animal. Know your place. Paul talked about the gifts. Value every member. Look at those, uh, those three verses there very quickly, and then, and then we'll wrap it up. In verse 3, he said, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Ouch! Yeah, but I'm ordained. Well, I'm not anymore, but <laughs> I've been ordained. So? Well, I'm teacher of a large Sunday school class. So? Well, but that person that's trying to make that suggestion, they just got here. So, maybe you ought to listen to them. It's fresh perspective. Oh, forgive me, any government workers in the crowd, but the thing I've noticed most, <laughs> I worked in the private sector my whole life for 40-plus years, and now I'm out at a government facility where you have to get a permit to go to the bathroom, and I hope that wasn't too, I hope that wasn't too much. 
But the thing I've noticed most is they tell you, we want your perspective, we want your input, we want a fresh look. And you go, oh, let me tell you, shut up. <laughs> right, Paul? Oh, that's so hard. But let's not laugh too hard because sometimes we do that in the church. Sometimes these young folks come in and they say, can I, have you ever thought about it this way? Well, you need, just need to settle on. I honestly, this is God's honest truth. After I got saved, someone came to me, a young 15-year-old I was, and said, how you doing, David? Oh, great, man, everything's excited. I'm so excited. And they, they honestly told me, well, that's all right. Just take it easy. You're going to get over that. They did. You're going to get over it. And in my mind, I thought, I don't ever want to get over this. I don't ever want to get over this. Oh, let's be so careful, uh, folks, about the new faith that comes our way. Are they going to make some mistakes and say some silly, stupid things? Yes. But don't divide. Embrace the diversity. I can understand why you think that. And, you know, maybe you, maybe you might look at getting into this Bible study and it'll address those things and you can get, maybe get a different perspective or a new perspective. You see what I'm saying? Division creates death and destruction. Diversity embraces the change. It doesn't ignore error, but it embraces the diversity and it builds on that toward the common cause, the common good. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, in valuing every member, we need to understand something. He said, God, in fact, has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. The Christian family is compared to the human body. Many, many different things. I don't know about you, but I think I'm a big toe. You haven't seen my toe, have you? It's not attractive. It's not the most wonderful thing. But you know what I've discovered here of lately? You can't balance without a big toe. I have a condition that is, uh, I don't know, it's some Latin thing about give the doctors lots of money and take a lot of pills. Uh, but, <laughs> but you can't balance without your big toe. It's necessary. Now, can you live without a big toe? Yes, but it's hard. And it's easier if you have the toe. Folks, I don't want to live without any part of the body of Christ that God sends our way. Amen. Don't want to do it. Do you? Let's, I want them all. I want every part, every part in place. Our focus can't be what divides us, but rather what brings us together as co-heirs, as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord this week. Wow. I told someone before church, he's preached to more people in his death than I think he did in his whole life. And someone said that they figured he'd preached to over two billion with a B over his lifetime. But every news broadcast, everything that was brought up except for the fake news people was positive. And it mentioned Jesus Christ. How many of you saw the Kathy Lee Gifford uh, interview? Wow. Oh, but Kathy Lee, uh, uh, she, I don't like her on The View or whatever she was on. She's, I, you know, okay. But when you stand up on national TV and literally preach the gospel message of salvation because of what Billy Graham did in your life, that is powerful. And I will set aside any personal feelings that I have 
for the love of Christ and the love of the church, and she did some good that day. Diversity is what we desire, and it can come by getting a fresh perspective, a fresh commitment, valuing those that God sends our way, and seeking out the common ground, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, resurrected, and new life for me. Let's pray. While heads are bowed and you're not looking around, before we pray this morning, I wonder if there's someone here that's seeking that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that there's an emptiness in your heart and you want that emptiness to be filled and you believe that God can fill that. And you'd like our prayers. I'm not going to come and embarrass you, but you'd like to know that we're praying for you. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. I want to know Christ as my personal Savior. You'd like to just slip your hand up and put it back down. Anybody? Anyone? Yes. God bless. I see that hand. Someone else? Anyone else? All right, then this morning we have the overwhelming majority of the congregation who is satisfied in Jesus Christ. I would just simply ask you, are you committed to unity and diversity? Or have you found yourself a little bit divisive. I don't want to embarrass you, but I've, if, if, if I, the truth were known, I'd have to raise my hand this morning. But you would like to see God do a change in your life. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. I want to create more unity. Yes, God bless. Several hands. God bless. Others, I want to be an agent that brings unity to the body of Christ. Yes. Anyone else? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, this morning we have taken your word and we've examined it, and Paul took a divided congregation in Rome and preached a simple truth, and the truth was that it's Jesus Christ and a committed life to him, that it's, it's what it's all about. Preferences and, and things which we've come to be divided on are only secondary to our love for Christ and our love for one another. And so, God, today I leave this message and these verses with you and with this congregation. And I pray, God, that we will come and to a place of understanding where we can work through our differences and where we can focus on Jesus Christ, both young and old. Father, I pray that whatever the need might be. And Lord, there's some things that sometimes are just hard to get around. And so God, I ask you to supernaturally empower us to be transformed in our hearts and in our minds and to know what is the good and acceptable will of God. Lord, these that raised hands this morning, I pray that you will be very close, very real to them. And Father, that you will speak to hearts this morning. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There are some who have come to the front who are going to be available for prayer. If you would like to come and to, to, to seek out that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I invite you to come. Come and meet me here. If you just want to come and pray about something, whether spoken or unspoken, I invite you to come. Respond while God is dealing with it, okay? We're family. We're together in Christ.
And I want us to know that, and I want us to express that. So let's sing. If you'd stand, please. If you need to come, please come. You unravel me with, with the melody. melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I know love.
If you're a child of God today, will you say amen? Amen. If you can't say amen, don't stay away. Keep looking. Keep searching. You're in a safe place here. This is where you belong. It's okay to be broken. Just don't stay that way. You don't have to. God's made provision. God's made provision. I trust you'll go with God. Pastor Jeff's going to be back this week. Pray for him. Looking forward to the new series. Thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, You don't know how much that means to me and Debbie. Uh, We appreciate it. We love our church. uh, And we just want to be used. That's all. That's all. We're family. We're family. Okay? God bless you. Go with God.